This broadcast is rated PG-13 for prolonged sequences of coherent sentences, strong opinions, mind-blowing factual analysis, minor language, and hardcore roasting. Some material may be inappropriate for fragile precedents. Whiny baby strongly cautioned. Hello, everybody, and welcome to PG-13 with Paul and Glenn. We're going to be chatting weekly about the most important political and social stories in current and past news that often just don't get the rational coverage that they deserve. Now, Glenn is the editor-in-chief of the University of New Haven's Charger Bulletin, and he has a background in political science and political journalism, and Van Jones follows him on Twitter. That is true. And Paul graduated from the University of New Haven with a BS in international justice and security. He's a former global security analyst and a current fraud protection analyst in Maine. Uh, But he's here mostly because he really just doesn't appreciate bullshit. That's absolutely correct, Glenn. Welcome to the show, everybody. Let's get going. All right. And we are going to start today with a brief history lesson for your listening pleasure. Take it away, Paul. Absolutely, Glenn. In 1692, Salem Mass was plagued by the witch trials, a general free-for-all ending with the hanging of 19 men and women. This initiative was led by some of the best educated men in the state. In 1938, the House of Un-American Activities Committee was founded to investigate alleged disloyalty and subversive activities by private citizens, public employees, and organizations suspected of having communist ties. It led to the blacklisting of many different celebrities and the ruining of several thousand careers. In 2012, Donald J. Trump, an overtanned billionaire self-labeled Playboy, tweeted, quote, An extremely credible source has called my office and told me that Barack Obama's birth certificate is a fraud. End quote. This launched a four-year scandal in an attempt to undermine the president's entire administration. In late September of 2016, Donald J. Trump, the same overtanned billionaire self-labeled Playboy, promised to launch yet another full-scale investigation that would lead to the arrest and permanent confinement of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for matters in which she was involved, but not entirely responsible for, general unfounded claims of corruption and incompetence. In 2017, Donald Trump is placed under investigation for reports of collusion, possible corruption, and misconduct. The man responsible for the investigation, director of the FBI James Comey, was abruptly dismissed by the president after refusing to abandon his public investigation into these charges, prompting a special prosecutor, Robert Mueller, former director of the FBI and relentless bloodhound of justice, to take over the case. At 4.52 a.m. on May 18, 2017, Donald J. Trump, overtanned billionaire tantrum-prone president, tweeted that he was facing the single greatest witch hunt of a politician in American history, culminating us to the present day in the history of witch hunts in America. Um, so we're kind of talking about a broader issue, which is that President Trump likes to exaggerate on a lot of things, but he doesn't really think about the context of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And this is just another example of that. Absolutely. And I mean, we've seen this, I mean, we've seen this in, through the, throughout the entirety of his campaign you know his seem his seeming reliance on the eccentric and the absurd in order to rally the troops as it were this is his means of communicating and gathering support you know as you were as you were saying uh in your brief history lesson mm-hmm. um you know the irony in all this is that he claimed that there's a witch hunt against him for the Russia probe right um but as we've seen in the past, especially in the past two weeks, just more and more and more information keeps coming out that connects all these all these dots of suspicion into his campaign's activity, mm-hmm. um, leading to more more of a credible investigation into those into what 
could have possibly been collusion. Absolutely. And I mean, it seems as though we have not only a question of facts, but also of definitions, because according to, at least within what we've seen in American history, a witch hunt is typically characterized by, you know, overblown investigations based on unfounded suspicions. But here we have formal charges led by, you know, members of the Justice Department and you know, Mr. Trump he certainly didn't do himself any favors by firing the person in charge of investigating him. So I don't know if he necessarily understands what a witch hunt means. Right. And again, we've seen a lot of this over-exaggeration and, you know, blowing things out of context uh, mm-hmm. on his side. And it really hurts him um, because, you know, if, if you're being investigated and you fire the person that's investigating you just because you didn't like him, I mean, you know, that just makes you look more guilty. Absolutely. And he's he's hurting himself with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that he justified it publicly by saying that, you know, he fired Comey for his handling of the Hillary Clinton FBI investigation, which interestingly enough, we're seeing some evidence now where Comey admitted that he acted on knowingly false intelligence, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But it puts us into this really interesting perspective for the Trump administration where a lot of their most of their lies, it seems, comes out of some base in truth, which, as we all know, is where the best lies come from. And, I mean, we have seen there is proof that Comey acted inappropriately, and he admits this himself. But I, I think it's interesting that the the Trump administration has a really unique and powerful skill to latch on to really small facts, and out of these small facts craft such intricate lies yeah and it's and it's really dangerous and and several mm-hmm. journalists have made the pointed um, argument that the White House just isn't credible um, and mm-hmm. we have these daily briefings and where you know Sean Spicer gets up to talk about what's going on mm-hmm. and especially when you have these scoops and these stories that have been coming out and the press wants to ask questions regarding those you know they don't know what they can believe. Um, and all of it's kind of like a he said, she said, mm-hmm. um, saying that the White House is saying this, but we have this information from this source and these things like that. And time and time again, the White House has been caught with you know their hands tied because they've been saying things that they didn't know journalists knew the actual story, but mm-hmm. they've been saying this. Mm-hmm. And that's that's become a problem for them too. So now that so now journalists and a lot of the public just doesn't believe them. Mm-hmm. And whatever, you know, they started out with a low credibility rating and Trump has a incredibly low approval rating, but that's just only going to go down or stay the same. It's not going to get better until they get their act together basically. Right. And in response to the miscommunications between Sean Spicer and the press secretary's office, as well as, you know, live interruptions from press with, you know, factual discrepancies in their stories, uh, Donald Trump had mentioned that he was considering switching over to written only daily briefings so that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to answer any questions. But do you think that that would really change the situation at hand, just given that it's not going to stop his aides from commenting commenting to the press and it's not going to stop? It's just going to add to the distrust to be honest i i think what the effect it would have is that it would make journalists work even harder mm-hmm. to get the information that they're looking for mm-hmm. um they're already working incredibly hard because they they know they're not going to get much information from the white house they they know that waiting for congress to act is going is not going to satisfy the public it's not going to it's going to take forever and they're not going to get the inside of what's actually going on mm-hmm. and congress might not actually get the information on what's going on unless we these this information comes out mm-hmm. so you know the less and the less 
the White House briefs the press, the more and more the press will go out and find it themselves. First of all, it's ironic that the White House goes out to the press and calls them fake news and mm-hmm. and, and says they don't like their sources. Well, the I White House like isn't better. Exactly. The White House isn't being a good source. Um, right. And they're not giving credible information. Mm-hmm. So the press is just – the press isn't going to be – deterred by that the press isn't going to like that mm-hmm. the press won't st- let's put it this way the press won't stand for um written statements because that's just ridiculous right um you know the press represents the people they're the watchdog to the government and if they can't ask questions mm-hmm. you know that that's that's half their job if not more mm-hmm. um and i don't think i think that you know the less and less the white house engages with the press and is honest with them you know they don't take them on international trips they're, they're not the secretary of state has not taken them on his trips mm-hmm. they're not led into meetings that they should be mm-hmm. um and the more and more they do that the more the worse the, the white house is going to look right now do you think it's reasonable to think that president trump's administration may switch over to written briefings or do you think that that was mostly bluster on the president's part I think it was more bluster. Um, I think it was more him reacting to, well, you don't like it the way it is, then we'll change it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be doing that anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, will he change the way it works? Maybe. Um, will Sean Spicer be the press secretary forever? I surely don't think so. Um, so I think I think the first thing he'll do is shake up his team. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's been. it's been reported that he's very pleased with how Sarah Huckabee Sanders has been doing uh, and the way she's performed with the press and at the podium in the White House. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think he's considering raising her status. But in terms of, you know, taking the podium away, so to speak, in general, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to see that until we see some other steps first. Okay. What do you think those other steps may be? Shaking up the team being one of them? Yeah. Like I said, I, I think, you know, CBS News reported today that he was thinking of shaking up his senior staff, uh, whether that includes his communications team, uh, I'm not sure, but either he or at the strong urging of his closest advisors is thinking of shaking up his team. And I think that that's partly due to the to the issues they've had in the first four months where they've had serious credibility issues and they've had serious miscommunication issues and the, his senior staff just looks bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there in his interview, he, you know, he... Ba- uh, a few weeks ago around his uh, 100 day mark he did a few interviews and in one of them he basically said that well they can't be perfect all the time I, you know he doesn't have time to sit and talk with them but i mean at the same time the administration shouldn't be so nebulous that they have no sitting knowledge of the facts at any particular point in time right and and you know there if if you're going to make claims like he makes if you're going to make announcements if you're going to push policies the the communications team is the one that rolls that out i know i've been a part of a communications team they're the ones that roll that out and they need advanced knowledge of this to prepare Mm -hmm. um and his team just doesn't have that so Mm -hmm. whether you know i don't know the inside relationship of his team members and how they work together but if he's withholding that opportunity to get that information from him and 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 have them be prepared on what the things that the white house is saying and 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 sending out there to the press and the public um maybe the maybe a team shakeup is the best option right um or you know maybe a system shakeup is the next option you know he needs to open his schedule more to spend less time watching cable news and more time 
talking with his communications team. Mm -hmm. And I wonder though, I mean, it does, you're right, it does seem that a communications team shakeup is imminent, but it does seem also that his communications team almost is beating being treated really unfairly just given that we are now being subjected to a president who unlike any president in the history of the United States has taken matters into his own hands on more than one occasion to deliver first-hand commentary via Twitter without right. advising and, anybody. Right. And I think, you know, the Twitter thing is just another wrench in this entire operation because you know, he said it himself. He wants Twitter to be able to literally say things that to the public from his own brain mm -hmm. and he doesn't want any middleman he doesn't want the press as a middleman and he impl he's implied that he doesn't want his communications team as a middleman uh, middleman so he's he's made twitter into his announcement forum mm -hmm. and you know we've seen countless reports of aides who have talked him out of basically tweeting some things and um um, going off on Twitter on certain things. The most recent one I've read was that he, uh, when John Boehner called his administration a disaster the other day, he was ready to tweet about it, but his aide discouraged him from doing that. But he's just, he, he has gone off on Twitter and he has said things on Twitter that his communication team has then had to defend. And we've known for two years now of Donald Trump being in the po political atmosphere that no one speaks for Donald Trump except for himself. So right. no no one can get inside his head, and no one has been successfully able to do that yet. Um, not Kelly, not even Kellyanne Conway. You know, not Ryan's, Ryan's Priebus, not Steve. Van no one has been able to get inside of his head, mm -hmm. at least, and be able to communicate his thoughts. They've and been able to influence his thoughts. They have not been able to communicate his own ideas and his own thoughts. True, and his treatment of Twitter has been really interesting, even since the debate stage, where. You know, Republican senators would bring up things that he had posted to his Twitter account and his defending of them was, I didn't tweet it, I retweeted it. But now he's got this really interesting system in place where he is more active on his personal Twitter account than the president's Twitter account. I feel like we're going to see some kind of scandal at some point during his administration where he's going to start defending himself saying, I tweeted that personally, not professionally. The POTUS account is owned by the White House. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Twitter's free, they don't pay for it, but... That handle, it belongs to the White House. However they copyright that is up to them. But the for the first time, we, we saw it switch to a new president. Mm -hmm. um, so when when that when that switched over, um, Barack Obama got uh, POTUS 44, and POTUS stayed for the sitting president, as mm -hmm. I'm sure it will um, as time goes on. Mm -hmm. But... Um, that's that is an interesting question and i think that would be a question for uh a lawyer possibly a communications lawyer uh as to what the ramifications of that would be especially because actually some of the tweets that he's gone out have gone out on both accounts mm -hmm. um, sometimes he retweets his personal account sometimes mm -hmm. he retweets the president's account from his personal account mm -hmm. so i think it'll be interesting to see if that does come up um and i think you know, talking to someone who would be familiar with law and, you know, uh, government speech um, would would be able to maybe foresee how that would play out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been it's been really interesting to me that he's gotten in trouble a couple times because you'll see that he puts out something that's mistyped or very clearly typed in a rush and he deletes yeah. it. And yeah. he's been yeah. reprimanded publicly many times because the president is technically supposed to keep all of their tweets public for record keeping and uh, transparency purposes. 
Yeah, you're right. And Facebook is a little different where you can edit and those edits are seen publicly mm -hmm. um, and you can, you know, look back at them. But Twitter is different. You'd have to delete a tweet and then retweet it. You um, get one shot. Yeah, exactly. One opportunity. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's another case where it would be interesting to see how legally what 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 the ramifications of that would be i mean i assume it would be similar to you know say there was an investigation into his twitter account for some reason mm -hmm. um which under this president does not seem unlikely um or surprising but right. say that that was the case i would assume that then deleting tweets would be an issue um, similar to how deleting emails is an issue. And especially in this day and age where the second he tweets it, someone's already taken a screenshot. Right, exactly. But, you know, that's that's something that um, it's very nitpicky and, and, and it'll be mm -hmm. um, something that we'll have to look in for the future. What's, what's interesting is that reports just came out today. I saw in um, the New York Daily News, New York Post, courts, they all reported that the White House is thinking of appointing a legal team to monitor his tweets. Hmm. And that would, I, I guess, address those uh, different um, concerns that we were just talking about, about what what happens if he tweets something he's not supposed to. Um, but at the same time, what can they do about it? You know, I mean, if the White House is appointing a legal team, the president could just fire them, as we've seen. Right. And I think, I mean, they're already... Um, expanding their legal team to deal with the Russia investigation. I think this would be, mm -hmm. he did uh, tweet out his unverified claims about President Obama wiretapping him. Mm -hmm. um, he attacked James Comey on Twitter. He he mentioned that there might be tapes of James Comey talking in the Oval Office, mm -hmm. um, as well as other things about his, about his communications and with people and things like that. And I think you know, a legal team might be there to say what he can and cannot tweet and also be there to protect him when one of those tweets maybe blows up in his face, mm -hmm. um, which I think is something that's more likely than not to happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I just want to I want to circle back to the topic of, you know, habitual exaggeration. And Donald Trump tweeted the other day that he was possibly treated the most unfairly of any politician ever. Um, specifically, I think referring to United States politicians, but as more of a general statement. And I just wanted to take a couple minutes and maybe just talk about perspective of his administration and, you know, kind of circle back to the topic of his use of hyperbole. Yeah. And the late night comedians love that line. They really, uh, they, they, they really enjoy that. He said that because, you know, they, they were very quick to, to correct him on that, uh, exaggeration. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with the easy examples, you know, it, it's, it's ironic. He says he's the most unfairly treated uh, politician in history, yet Abraham Lincoln was shot and he put his hand on the Lincoln Bible mm -hmm. when he got inaugurated. Mm -hmm. Um, so the irony is, uh, pretty interesting there, but yeah, I mean, just in people out of his specific job title, I think that there have been at least a couple who have had it worse. I mean, there are four different presidents who have been shot and died in office. Uh, we had um, a politician in Arizona get shot a few, uh, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. We had um, people like Nelson Mandela who was jailed. Mm -hmm. We had other um, politicians and activists. Um, we have uh, Robert Kennedy get shot. We have um, it, it's just another example of one of the things he says before before thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he probably didn't talk about with his team about saying this in front of the 
Naval Coast Guard Academy mm-hmm. uh, commencement. Um, so it's it's another one of those things where he just doesn't understand the context of the things that he's saying. Right, but the thing with the thing with all of these out of context and egregious statements is that there are still people who will believe him. And oh, absolutely. I was I was talking to a family member the other day, and she brought up a an interview that uh, Hassan Minaj did, the uh, correspondent for the Daily Show, and he was talking about you know Trump supporters and how I mean it applies to most you know sitting presidents throughout American history thus far, but specifically within this administration, it seems to be the most poignant is that you know even though the mainstream media has come out with all of these, you know, factual dossiers, these arguments against his legitimacy as a president, and yet they trust him. And it's very hard to, you know, come at a, you know, a blind trust relationship with facts and expect to get anywhere. So I think it's really interesting in terms of moving forward into creating a an atmosphere of greater understanding coming from, you know, you have liberals coming in with, you know, trying to beat facts into people and mm-hmm. this is absurd and ridiculous. And then you have these hardcore conservatives who just trust him. Yeah. And, and it'll be, uh, I think that specific topic will be something that'll be researched and debated for years to come. Um, long after he's impeached and kicked out of office. Um, you think that's inevitable? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't like to, I don't, I think that's too serious of a thing to, you know, project this early. Mm. Um, as, as much of the, as much, uh, information as we've gotten in the past few weeks, none of it yet kind of, a lot of it points, a lot of it connects to each other, but there's no, there's still pieces of the puzzle missing to really assert those things. Yeah. I guess we'll just have Um, to wait for Robert Mueller's report. We will. Yeah. I have said this before, and I think, I think the more likely outcome than having a Trump conviction in itself is that I think we're going to see that people from the Trump campaign are guilty of collusion. I don't think we're going to see that Trump himself directly colluded with the Russians. And and we just saw a report come out on Saturday, I believe, that um, Jared Kushner was trying to set up a back channel with the Russians uh, for mm-hmm. secret communications. Mm-hmm. What that turns into, um, we don't know yet. But you know, they identified a White House individual that was of high interest in the in the probe. Um, I don't believe if they've identified if that person is Jared Kushner, but I believe that after these revelations, he will be looked into. Looked into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now we're kind of waiting for. Each day we're waiting for another big scoop to come and another mouth dropping, I mean, excuse me, another jaw dropping uh, revelation that will that will add another piece to this puzzle. Um, right. But the the thing about this puzzle is that I don't know I don't know when the final piece gets in, um, unless we unless the special prosecutor says, yeah, they did it. So and, I think I think everyone's kind of waiting for that, and that could take years. Right. Um, it, he could be campaigning for his second term before that uh, investigation is concluded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're still looking forward to hearing from Comey in, in, in Congress in a public hearing mm-hmm. that should happen within the next couple of weeks. But I think that there's still a lot of pieces that need to be put into place before uh, we start talking serious impeachment. Now, how do you feel about the reports that Michael Flynn is planning on taking the Fifth Amendment? <laughs> It's ironic that he criticized uh, someone for taking the Fifth Amendment, then he's going to do it himself. 
Um, it's his right. There's there's no real debating that, but it certainly perks up your ears a little bit and, and makes you wonder why. If I'm in his shoes, my defense would be, um, it would it would be basically that everyone's out to get me. I don't want to say something that could possibly be construed as admitting that I did something or right. you know something to that effect, where he may not think that he's saying something that could be incriminating, but then his words can be taken interpreted as such, since everyone is expecting that he's guilty. In that in that light, I understand it. I certainly don't agree with it, but that that if I'm him or if I'm one of his lawyers, that would be my advice to him to say for his reasoning if he wants to uh, defend it right um and going back to uh trump's tweets um he's just getting off of this week or so long trip uh overseas he's met with nato leaders he's went to the g7 summit um he's been to saudi arabia israel and he's been pretty quiet on twitter Mm -hmm. um and you know, Politico actually uh, did some reporting on why that might be. And I'll quote what their article said. And it says, quote, for four straight days, President Donald Trump did not live tweet the cable shows. He didn't mention his unlikely electoral win. And in visits to two countries where he was greeted with great fanfare, he never once complained about being treated unfairly. Trump's relatively successful swing through the Middle East was due to the fact that for the most part, he didn't get in his own way. It was also the result of months of careful planning. A decision was made early on to visit a part of the world where Trump is venerated and feared and to pack his schedule so that he mostly stayed on message and according to one aide, quote, didn't have time to tweet, unquote. And that's from Politico. And I love that we have, you know, his aides admitting that they're deliberately trying to keep him off of the internet. Right. And, uh, you know, we talked about that before, too, about how they're, they're trying to watch him and trying to... Be careful of what he says on Twitter. And for me, that's just inherently absurd, because if you have, you know, President Trump's own staff publicly admitting that he is not, it's not stable or safe to have him in charge of his own Twitter account. Right. It's just absurd to me that he's given any kinds of responsibility at all. But it's definitely, it's, it's, it's almost like you can't believe it that the president of the United States can't control himself enough to have a Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where we are right now. I like to imagine that we have a scenario where Donald Trump now wants to tweet something and he has to ask his aide for his phone. That could possibly be the result of forming this legal team that advises him on his Twitter. I just think that that's adorable. Like, what are you what are you going to say? <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. And they give him his phone. They have to watch over his shoulder the whole time, and otherwise, they just take it away again if he goes rogue. Yeah, I really it, like that imagery. It, it must be it must be a great show. To, to be a part of in that White House. I don't know if it's show. I don't know if it's the show I'd want to roll in though. It's no uh it's no veep, but it'll <laughs> it's some kind of show. We're not sure yet. All right everybody. Well thank you very much for joining PG thirteen with Paul and Glenn for our very first episode. Please feel free to like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Paul and Glenn. We'll be posting links to our SoundCloud account once the episodes are finished, and we'll be trying to come at you with weekly segments. Please stay tuned on our Facebook page for updates on episode release times. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to message our Facebook page directly or post directly on our timeline. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, Share with your friends. Hope you enjoy, and uh, have a wonderful week. Until we see you next time.